Before we uh, begin in Romans chapter 8, I wanted to give you an, an update on what's happening here at the church. God is using this church in powerful ways, Sun City West Christian Church. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, our church website, and three radio stations. One of those stations is internet radio, so it's trackable. A person needs to click a button in order to listen to our church broadcast, so we, we know which city, state, and country they're listening from. When we started broadcasting back in July of 2019, we had 3,987 listeners per week. Over the past several months, we've grown, and the average is now about 103,000 listeners every single week to click that button. The last, uh, thank you, that's, it's God. And uh, the last report that we had, it went from 103 to 190,000 listeners. Uh, that is amazing. That's like 90,000 listeners per week higher than our previous record. That would be reaching, at that rate, a million people every five weeks. I think Satan hates this church. What do you think? We get, now the bad part is we get almost no financial support from those listeners once we got $5, and from another I think we got $10. So please... Uh, Pray that God would open the floodgates of heaven and provide the income for this church to continue reaching out. Please pray with me. Father, do open your floodgates. Do enable us to have enough to give to your needs. Bless us so we can be a blessing. Bless your word now and apply it to all who hear. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Three sons left home. They went out on their own and they prospered. They met together to discuss gifts that they each bought for their elderly mother. The first son said, I built a big new expensive house for mom. The second son said, I sent her a brand new Mercedes and a driver. The third son said, I've got you both beat. You know how mom enjoys reading the Bible, but you know that mom can't see very well anymore. I sent her a talking parrot, and the bird can recite every single verse of the Bible. It took 20 monks in a monastery 12 years to teach that parrot. I had to pledge to contribute $100,000 a year for 20 years, but it was worth it. Mom just has to name the Bible chapter and verse, and the parrot will recite it. Soon afterward, Mom sent letters of thanks to her sons. She wrote to the first son, Milton, the house you built is too big. I only live in one room, but now I have to clean the whole house. Thanks anyway. She wrote to the second son, Marvin, I'm too old to travel. I stay home all the time. I never use the Mercedes, and the driver isn't necessary, but thanks anyway. She wrote to the third son, Dearest Melvin, you're the only son to have the good sense to know what your mother likes. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> Feel free to use it. <laughs> it's nice to get new stuff. And that's why people love birthdays and Christmas, new trips, new adventures. 
There's a new doll that's being sold at Walmart. It's called Takeover the Makeover. It's uh, a styling doll, and this is how it's described. It incorporates the hottest trends on social media. Give your doll the ultimate makeover by transforming her from head to toe. Now, if you go to Walmart, she will cost you $32 to $45, depending on accessories. You can also have a new extreme makeover. It's become a TV reality show that, quote, depicts ordinary men and women undergoing extreme makeovers involving plastic surgery, exercise regimes, hairdressing, and wardrobing. And that led to Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where you can get your home redone so that it looks just like new, which led to Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition, which is self-explanatory. And God offers us the Extreme Makeover from the inside out, because he gives us his Holy Spirit that can radically transform our life. But just like the blind mom who mistook the Bible reciting parrot for a chicken, we can totally misunderstand the Holy Spirit and what his role is. We can be new and improved. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, new life has begun. We can be a new person with a new life starting over and it's free. It's a gift from God. Some people spend a lot of money and time to make the outside appearance look better. In fact, one website says that the average woman spends 225000 and some change uh, during an entire lifetime to look better. The average man spends 175000 on his appearance. That's why the average woman looks better than the average man. And some people should really spend more. Some aren't getting their money's worth, and some should ask for a refund. But all that effort and expense just goes to make the outside look better. It's a losing fight. Age and gravity will win. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.16, never become discouraged. Even though our physical being is gradually decaying, our spiritual being is renewed day after day. It's what's on the inside that matters most. You've heard that before. We cooperate with God in becoming a new person inside out. We do our part, God does his part. And Paul explains that in Philippians 2.12 saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We work at our salvation and God helps us. And here's an obligation that we have. Romans 1.14 says, For I have a, sen a great sense of obligation to people both in the civilized world and the rest of the world to preach the good news. That's what this church, this is what you're doing. We're obliged to cooperate with God. Romans 8.12 says, So then, my friends, we have an obligation. It is not to live as our human nature wants us to. We're supposed to live as God wants us to. But if we only work on worldly things, we're nothing but the walking dead. Romans 8.13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you're about to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. And I'm thinking maybe we should invest as much time and 
interest and money in God as we do in ourselves. The benefits and dividends are out of this world. We can have a new, improved relationship with God, which is really good news to the Old Testament Jews. Here's some benefits of having this new relationship with God. In Romans 8, our text today, Romans 8, starting in verse 14, Paul says, certainly all who are guided by God's Spirit are God's children. That's a benefit. You haven't received the spirit of slaves that leads you again into fear. Instead, you have received the spirit of God's adopted children. That's a benefit by which we call out Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we're his children, we are also God's heirs. Another benefit. If we share in Christ's sufferings in order to share his glory, we're heirs together with him. I consider our present sufferings insignificant compared to the glory that will soon be revealed to us. Another benefit. So when the Holy Spirit lives in us, and this is what's talked about in Romans chapter 8, we have new life. We are sons and daughters of God. We don't have to live in fear anymore. We are adopted, children of God, heirs of God, and we will receive glory with Christ. And before Jesus came into our life, we were far from God, the Bible says in Romans 9.22. We were objects of his anger, headed for destruction, and time was running out. Romans 13.12 says, the night The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Many, many years ago, I read a book about the Great Depression, the 1929 crash and following. And I read about people that would gather behind restaurants during those lean years and they would wait until the restaurant closed and they would wait for the leftover food to be thrown out. You know what's gonna come next. Hungry people were sometimes compelled to eat out of garbage cans. But what, according to the book, what people wouldn't do is eat discarded food that had maggots. One lady was interviewed during that time and she said to the interviewer, I've discovered a way to eat the wormy food that no other starving person would ever touch. She'd wait until it was really dark. She'd take off her glasses, and she couldn't see what she was eating, so she enjoyed eating that food. You know, God's Word turns on the light. We see what's hidden within us, and what we see isn't always pretty. Jesus had told Paul previously in Acts 26, 17, I'm sending you. You will open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from Satan's control to God's. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins. The Holy Spirit shows us clearly the the evil in the sin we once enjoyed. And we'd better not turn a blind eye to our sin. Jesus said, open their eyes. Turn from darkness, turn away from Satan's control and give God control. The Holy Spirit is here to help us. According to Colossians 3, 5, he helps us to put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within us, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, 
For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. And this term, put to death, is the Greek word thanatos. It means kill. Kill sin in your life. Paul says in verse 13, If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And here's what we do with sin. Paul says to the church of Galatia, uh, chapter 5, verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to his cross and crucified them there. He's saying, hang your sins on the cross of Christ. And you know, Jesus was voluntarily crucified, and we need to voluntarily take our sins mentally and prayerfully and nail them to the cross of Christ. And crucifixion is painful, and so is giving up our cherished sins. But after it happens, Jesus says you are well now. Stop sinning so something worse doesn't happen to you. Go now. Leave your life of sin. That's what he would tell us. Paul says in Galatians 5:16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 2.11, Do not give in to bodily passions, which are always at war against the soul. Paul says if you are living by the power of the Spirit, you're habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body, and you'll really live forever. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's what he says in verse 14, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Greek word, literally means it doesn't just mean led by, but it means driven by, induced. The Holy Spirit pushes us to holy living and giving God control of our life. Jesus said in John 16, 13, when the Holy Spirit, who is truth, comes, he shall guide you into all truth, for he will not be presenting his own ideas, but will be passing on to you what he's heard. He'll tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit guides us into the truths of God that we need to hear and prepares us for the future. He helps us live godly lives. In God's Spirit, this text says, communicates with our spirit that we are his sons and daughters, so act like it. When we're aware of God's presence, it takes all the joy out of sinning. And I don't know if you've ever felt the invisible presence of God, especially when you're contemplating sinning. And maybe it's God whispering to our spirit, don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. And God has installed a sin alarm system in us that's very sensitive. When the Holy Spirit is in us, we will react to sin as Christ reacted to sin. Paul says in Ephesians 4.30, don't give God's Holy Spirit any reason to be upset with you. He's put his seal on you for the day you will be set free from the world of sin. 
And he gives us the power to say no to the sin that once conquered us. Paul says to marginal Christians back in the messed up church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3.3, you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of this world? But if we let him, the Holy Spirit will lead us. He teaches us through the word of God. He equips us through spiritual gifts. Let me just give you a couple. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, to one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and the other uh, the ability to prophesy and someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And God will direct us in a multitude of ways. A person may plan their own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. And that small voice sometimes that we hear within us may not be our conscience, it may be God. And we can test that voice by comparing it to the scripture, it won't contradict the word of God. We're continually being led by the Holy Spirit, and our job, according to Proverbs 3, verse 5, is to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He'll make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. And here's uh, just two our prayers that we might pray from Scripture, inviting the Holy Spirit into our life. Psalm 25, verse 4, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth. Teach me, for you are the God who saves me. Show me, lead me, teach me, save me. And when we trust and obey, God will show us the way. Another prayer is out of Psalm 143, verse 9. Rescue me, Lord. I will run to you. Hide me. Teach me to do your will. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. Preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. Again, if you stack them, it's rescue me, hide me, teach me, lead me, preserve me. Bring me to you. And don't fight God. You're going to lose in this life and forever. We're free from fear if the Holy Spirit has control of our lives. Paul says in verse 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. And you know who else who used this term, Abba, Father? Well, these words were spoken in a garden. That's a hint, Abba, Father. Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Paul said in Galatians 4, verse 6, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And our adoption will be fully revealed at a future time, 
Verse 23 says, We who have the Spirit as the first of God's fruits also groan inwardly. We groan as we eagerly wait for our adoption, the freeing of our bodies from sin. But for now, we don't have to be terrified of God, don't have to be afraid of dying, and we don't have to be afraid of the future. Because there's a, a profound difference between slaves and sons. And Paul's audience would have understood this more than we do because we don't have slavery here as they did. Here's a, a poor comparison for you. If you have a job, you earn the approval of your boss by obeying them. And there's always a fear that you can lose your job if you don't measure up. An employee or a slave is expendable. They have no guarantees, no inheritance. Only family has that. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we go from rules to relationship with God. We go from slaves to sons and daughters of God. And churches that preach only fear to members of their church are not from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. 1 John 4.16 says, we know and we rely on the love of God that he has for us, God is love. We will have confidence on the day of judgment. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Hebrews 2.14 says, only by dying could he, Jesus, break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Adoption that he talks about appears five times in the New Testament. And in that culture, adopted sons received a greater inheritance than adopted daughters. How's that for chauvinism? But in Christ, the adopted sons and daughters both inherit equally. In Roman culture, a slave could be adopted as a son or a daughter, and it would apply to us by saying we were taken out of Adam's family, not this Adam's family. Uh-oh. Oh, well, you get the idea. See, the sound booth really needs help, so any volunteers? <laughs> we have become part of a new family, the family of God. Now, uh, that would be Bill Gaither, who sings, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm part of the family, the family of God. I just wanted to see if you were awake. There we go. What does God mean that he can be called Abba? It's an Aramaic word for father used by Jesus, used by Paul, that describes a deep level of intimacy. It's translated Papa. It's a title of endearment used by sons and daughters throughout their lives. Doesn't matter how old you would call your parents even now, Papa. In Jerusalem today, you're seeing young children walking alongside their fathers, holding their hand, and call him, calling him Papa, Daddy, Abba, Father, comes from a relationship of love, not fear. But no Jew in Paul's time would ever dream of calling the God of Israel Abba. In fact, the scribes that 
used to copy down the scriptures, use the name YHWH for God, they would have to use a new pen to write that name, and after they wrote it, they'd destroy the pen. That's a relationship of fear. But Jesus changed our relationship. In Ephesians 3.12, it says, Now we can come fearlessly right into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome when we come with Christ and trust in him. Ephesians 2.18, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Hebrews 4.16, this would be so foreign to Jewish ears. Let us have confidence then and approach God's throne where there is grace. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us just when we need it. And Jesus, of course, said, pray like this, our Father, Pater, Father, Abba. And that's how our relationship with God can be new and improved. So what should we take away from this? There's a hymn that we've sung a thousand times, Blessed Assurance. And Paul said in verse 16, God's Spirit makes us sure that we are his children. The Bible says, you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. The Bible says through Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. And I'll end with this. And here's how we receive the inheritance. Ephesians 1.13 says, you heard and believed the message of truth, the good news that he saved you. In him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit whom he promised. This Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will receive our inheritance. We have this guarantee until we are set free to belong to him. God received praise and glory for this, amen. Pray with me, please. So Father in heaven, we trust again that your word will get out to where it needs to go. Lord, find us faithful. Your church has been under attack recently in this country as never before. Lord, build up your remnant. Call in the faithful. Lord, bless your saints so they can bless your church, so that we can keep our doors open, that we can financially keep reaching out with the good news as you've instructed us to do. Thank you for Jesus. Without him, we don't have a prayer. But with him, we have an inheritance that can never be taken away. Forgive us of our sins. Bless your church. Bless us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.